You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Hello and Network. Welcome to Locked On your Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your co-host, Brendan Clean. Evan is out again today, finishing up his visit in Indianapolis for Thanksgiving with actually, I think he's at a Colts game. I think they lost, so he may not be in the, the greatest mood tomorrow, but he will be back nevertheless to recap the Timberwolves game uh, in Minnesota tomorrow. But today we have Ty Windish, who is the host of Time Out with Ty, as well as a staff writer for Fan Sighted's Behind the Bucks Pass and the Step Back blog. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you today? I am trying to get some football in, uh, taking a little bit of a break while the Suns have a day off, but uh, I'm a Cardinals fan, so I don't know how long that'll take okay. me. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to, uh, it's like, could be better for you right about no, now. Yeah. I'm a Saints fan, so it's been good for me. A I Saints can't fan. complain. That's interesting. How did that happen? This is a fun story. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, hence my, my writing about the Bucks. But uh, I never got to go see a Packer game when I was little, so I kind of felt like they weren't necessarily my team, even though my dad is the biggest Packers fan. So uh, then the the hurricane happened, Hurricane Katrina in 2005, and the, the Saints have been terrible for my whole life. I just remember them being god-awful. And all of a sudden, in 2006, Drew Brees signs there, and they're good for like the first time ever, and it's exciting, and it just felt like such a, a movement, and I was like, wow, I want to be a part of this. I want to cheer for this team. And so since 2006, they've been my team, and obviously I got lucky in 2009. They won the Super Bowl, which a lot of people never see their favorite team, Hoist Lombardi. That was crazy. Uh, I thought that this this core of the team was done, and now all of a sudden they're good again. So it's it's been a good football season for me since week two. Can you even get those games the all the way up there? Can you watch uh, Saints games? Almost never. Uh, unless I know somebody who has Sunday ticket or I go to a bar or something. Otherwise, no, they're not on TV that often here. Well, I mean, I can watch every Cardinals game, but sometimes I wish that I couldn't. So, yeah, I think we're uh, <laughs> I think we're on the same page. All right, so the reason that I brought Ty on today um, is yeah. to talk about Eric Bledsoe. So, obviously, um, about almost, what, a month ago now? Two, three weeks ago? Um, Bledsoe was traded to yeah, the Bucks. Like for uh, first-round pick, protected first-round pick, protected second-round pick, and Greg Monroe. Um, and then he came back to Phoenix last Wednesday to play the Suns, scored 30 points, uh, a lot of fanfare about that return. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring Ty on, seeing as how he's seen it from the Bucks' perspective. But I wanted to start with that trade. So I guess even before it, were you thinking that the Bucks had a legitimate shot to get Bledsoe? Because I know a lot of the rumors were Brogdon or Jabari or uh, Maker for a little while, but did you really think that the Bucks were going to give those pieces up? Or if not, did you think they could get him without giving those pieces up? We sort of learned here in Milwaukee is that there's no, no, no way of telling what the front office is ever going to do in any situation. So I I knew they were sniffing around him, and I was a little excited because you looked. I looked around at the teams that it was like Cleveland. You know, I'm sure they called and tried to throw away some garbage and get him without giving up the Nets pick. I highly doubt the Suns had any interest in their throwaways. I don't even know what they would give up. Um, I don't. There's some of the other teams like New Orleans. They don't have any assets that you want to trade for. It's like if you trade with New Orleans, you almost have to take back the Ashik contract at this point, which is 
just abhorrent. The guy doesn't play, and he makes $11 million for the next two years. Um, so this is not that many good suitors out there. So I thought the Bucks had the juice to make the deal. I was worried they were going to give up more than one of basically the big four trade chips, which is Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Jabari Parker, or Don Maker. But it would take at least one of them. When I saw that it was Greg Monroe and two picks, basically, I was overjoyed. Uh, I'm a big Greg Monroe guy. It, it sucked to see him go. On the other hand, the team already had three centers on the roster. Giannis can play at the five, although he doesn't nearly often enough. And just getting a player the caliber of Bledsoe for, for that low price. I mean, Monroe was great. He probably wasn't coming back to Milwaukee after this next summer. The Bucks will not have any money for him. Um, so you clear, they actually cleared some cap room this season. Uh, next year, obviously, now they have Bledsoe on the books, but that's that's fine with the team. I'm sure they'd rather pay Eric Bledsoe than not pay Eric Bledsoe. Uh, the picks are tough, but the Bucks already have a lot of young guys who don't play as is. Like Sterling Brown might be good. Uh, no one really knows what DJ Wilson's going to be. They don't really have space for any more. Whoever they drafted probably end up in the G League anyway. Although the pick won't the pick won't convey until 2020 or 2021, I think. Yeah, I would. It's probably going to be 2021 if the Bucks are uh, as good as they'd like to be. Um, yeah, I was super surprised too because I don't. I, th- I thought it would be weird if if Jabari were to move just because of the injury history and because of the uncertainty around his contract and all that, I really didn't see them screwing him like that or even maybe the Suns having that interest in the first place. But I thought Brogdon was a legit possibility. I mean, the only other team that I was looking at that, that made any sense were, was the Nuggets. I think that's what like the national media started to latch on to. Yeah. I mean, it would have been yeah. fun, but they don't seem like they're interested in giving up any of their guys. So... I kind of started to waver on that, and then no, I mean the Bucks still did surprise me, but maybe not the uh, the team, but more just the fact, like you said, that they were able to to just give up a player they weren't even gonna gonna have in the the future anyway, and and a pick that's that's not gonna convey for a while. But um, Monroe's been good. Have you seen any of what he did? I mean, he played well in that Bucks game, but. Does that surprise you? Did you expect him to be able to come back from that injury and perform on a different team right away? He's kind of that kind of guy, a microwave scorer type of player. but Definitely he is. Um, it didn't surprise me one bit. I mean, I knew he was banged up. I never really thought it was a very serious injury. Um, I think with big guys especially, you'd just rather be safe than sorry if you're talking about holding them out because uh, there's just a lot of moving parts on, on a really, really big human being, especially if you're Greg Monroe big. So uh, I, I figured he'd come back just fine. I mean, he has been one of the most steady players on the team. If you talk about last season when the Bucks made that playoff run and people weren't sure if they were going to be any good because Jabari ends up getting hurt again halfway through the season. You know, you had Jabari for half the year. You had Chris for half the year. Probably the most important Buck, the second most important Buck, I should say, on the team all season last year is Greg Monroe. He was excellent. Like you said, he's that sixth man sort of scorer. I'm pretty sure I wrote a piece at some point over the summer. Like, he might get real sixth man of the year considerations if he keeps doing what he did last season, which is basically average a double-double per 36 without playing all that often. He can come in. He's hot right away. He doesn't need to... He doesn't really have off nights. He's going to do what he does, and he got a lot better defensively last year, which was great to see. I mean, he doesn't block shots because he doesn't have that much of a vertical leap, but he's good with his hands at, at getting the, at the ball before it even gets raised up, which is really important. Um, so it's nice It's nice for me to see him doing well. I would love for them to deal him somewhere where he can go to the playoffs. I mean, that was the reason he came to Milwaukee in the first place. The guy wants to play in the playoffs, and he was great there last, in the uh, again, the Raptors series that the Bucks played. 
So hopefully that happens because I don't I don't uh, foresee the the Suns somehow sneaking into the AC at this point. Although they are playing better, um, but uh, no, I'm not too surprised. I think Greg Monroe is going to ball no matter where he is. That's just the the kind of player he is. No, it'd be super disappointing if uh, Milwaukee and Detroit were to make the playoffs now, just for him. Yeah, yeah, honestly. Well, uh, so moving back to Bledsoe, um, he actually, I mean, statistically hasn't been incredible. Uh, to say the least, in Milwaukee. No, uh, true he's, shooting been, he's been a little bad. Yeah, true shooting percentage at 47.2. Um, offense has been a lot worse uh, in his few minutes when he's been on the court. Um, he's only added 250 minutes through eight games, so um, but 40% shooting from the field. He's, he's handling the ball quite a bit, especially since Giannis has missed games here and there since he's been back, but... Um, what have you thought, and and sort of how has it differed from what you imagined Bledsoe to be when he when he first came to the team? Um, obviously, it's you know you want to see the guy playing better than he is right now. Um, part of it, really, though, that where we that the the Bucks writers and sort of I don't know what the zeitgeist, I guess, the Bucks zeitgeist has determined for now is that I mean the guy was just not ready for action right away. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily his fault. I mean, he supposedly worked out and everything. Yeah, but and the I, reports came out. The reports came out that he was uh, he was gonna start training again at the facility like the day before he got traded. So you've got to almost assume he's at high schools and colleges, right. just trying to find a gym for about two weeks there. So yeah, no, you, you're probably right. Definitely, and even if he's at the facility, I mean, we've seen over and over, like, nothing compares to actually playing in NBA games. Like, I mean, you could say, like, playing overseas or whatever, sure, but any any other sort of, like, workouts or warm-ups, like, it just takes a while. I mean, you look at, like, the, he probably shouldn't have played as much as he did in the first couple games with Milwaukee. He missed the first game after the trade, the Cleveland game. He's played in every game since then. Just, like, Marcus Johnson, who's fantastic, uh, broadcaster for the Bucks, who should win an Emmy, said he just, he, you can see, does he has weak legs right now, and that makes sense. Over the last three games, he's been a lot better. Over 37 minutes a game, 46% from the line, barely 30% from three, five assists, three steals, and four turnovers, which isn't great, but he's scoring 20 points in those three games, average. Um, that's that's more what I expect to see from him. I'd like to see the shooting get a little better, but uh, I'm not super worried about him not coming out of the gate and being great I think like he brings a lot of grit to the team which I think is good like he's kind of a dog out there and I feel like he's kind of got Middleton playing more that way too just like gritty grinding it out for wins like he's that kind of player that helps too but obviously the numbers will need to be there hopefully the uh the recent three games are more indicative of how the rest of his year is going to go than the first five or so yeah, he's one of the strongest guys around six foot you'll ever watch play, and I think the, from my perspective that fits extremely well with the way the Bucks play defense, but also brings a different dimension to their offense because, like you're saying, Middleton, Snell, uh, Jabari when he comes back, those guys are all maybe use their length and, and, and uh, physical gifts a little bit more than Bledsoe who's just going to ram right into you. Right. It's, uh, it's a nice sort of... Uh what's the word I'm looking for, like a contrast, I guess. And yeah. I think it's something like like I mentioned before. The other guys kind of need to see that. Like sometimes you got to impose your will a little bit. You can't just use the length and, and go around everybody. It's important, I think, to get physical, especially for this team in the box who rebounds so terribly. Anything that gets them playing more physically is, is a good thing. 
So I think the biggest thing as far as fit goes um, that you got to consider with Bledsoe, considering that he is a point guard, uh, he's played off the ball maybe even more than you would like in his career. It's weird that he's such a uh, gifted playmaker and, and he's seemingly been next to another ball handler every every stop he's made. He, and, you know, and with the Clippers, they had a lot of success when they put him on the floor with Paul, with Chris Paul. And then uh, the first few years in Phoenix, he had Goran Dragic and, and even Isaiah Thomas for that one season. And now he he moves from Devin Booker on to a, a team that's putting the ball in Giannis' hands quite a bit. So it's too simple to say, like, can Giannis survive with another ball handler? Because Bledsoe's the kind of player who's going to make any team better. Um, and I think we've seen that. But what do you think that looks like? And, and uh, just you'd have a better perspective on, on Brogdon and these other guys who have shared the court with Giannis. And just what do you think Bledsoe can bring from that perspective that maybe uh, Brogdon or uh, uh, Middleton haven't been able to? I mean, really, I think the best part about Eric Bledsoe coming to the Bucks is not just his contributions themselves. The best part is that everybody but Giannis slides down a role in the offense, which I think is really important for this team, especially in Jabari's absence, because you had Chris Middleton, who I think is fantastic, you know, probably will end up at least fighting for an all-star spot in the Eastern Conference. But, I mean, if you look at, like, great teams, I, I think their number twos are better than Chris Middleton, like, around the league. That's just how it is. Like, sure. Bradley Beal, going punch, he's going to be there for, for you more than Chris Middleton is. I mean, maybe Chris can become that kind of player still. I don't want to write that out for him. But just the way he's played over the last few seasons, and really his shot selection bums me out all the time. They needed someone else to be the second guy. And with Jabari's health such a question mark, with Jabari's contract status such a question mark, truthfully, Getting that second guy for what we said before was not that much giving up and Monroe and some picks. And Bledsoe is fantastic because now Chris Middleton's your third guy. And you look around the league and especially around the East, there aren't that many third guys better than Chris Middleton. And you could argue that once Jabari does come back sometime here in January or February time, that Middleton might be your fourth guy on offense. I don't know how the starting lineup looks then. But I mean, Chris Middleton is your fourth option on offense is fantastic. Like, there's no two ways around it. You know, someone like Malcolm Brogdon is now coming off of the bench instead of uh, starting. Well, for him in the past, that that kind of relied on his sort of kinship with Greg Monroe, who obviously isn't there anymore. A bench shot creator, that might be a better role for him. Like, it gets easier for everyone, basically. Obviously, Tony Snell and Thon Maker and slash John Henson weren't asked to do much anyway. But even their roles are easier now that the other defenses have to worry about Giannis and Middleton and now Bledsoe and Brogdon is out there who commands respect from defenses now that he can pull up from three. It just makes everyone's lives easier, including Giannis, who sometimes, you know, late-ish in games or like whenever the Bucks need a spark, you need someone to go out and score. Like Giannis has had to be the guy almost all of the time. Otherwise, they'd get random contributions from Brogdon, Snell, those guys. It wasn't very reliable. I feel like the team really believes that they can trust Bledsoe to be that guy. And that just takes a lot of pressure off Giannis. Even if he's still unquestionably the lead guy, the number one, he has a, a lighter load now, which I think is important if you look at you know a long 82-game season. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And just looking at the numbers, uh, Chris Middleton is at, uh, he's like three percentage points higher usage rate this year with, with Jabari out and uh, with Giannis missing that game where Middleton played 46 minutes. I'm sure that uh, 
skewed those numbers a little bit. And then even Bledsoe through those 250 minutes that he's been with the Bucks is uh, bigger load than he's ever had. He's at 28.2 usage, um, just as high as he was with the Suns last year um, when he was sort of the only consistent offensive talent around. So, yeah, I would say um, once they kind of get comfortable too, I would imagine that things kind of fall into place even more. And like I said earlier, we've seen Bledsoe kind of taking on a more of a playmaking high assist load than he had with the Suns. So maybe that's for the best, and maybe that is sort of his uh, the best role for him going forward with the team. But how much just not even having to do with Bledsoe, I just, I'm curious. What do you think happens when Jabari does come back as far as, I know you're talking about everybody's uh, kind of having to handle less responsibility, but with Snell, Middleton, Bledsoe, Giannis, Jabari, I don't think they start those five guys together, and I don't think um, that doesn't even consider Brogdon or some of the other players, Henson, that, that have had success this year. So just zooming out a little bit, what what's going to happen there? Or what do you? what's your best guess? I, I doubt you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell you I do not know for sure either way. Uh, my best guess is that we'll probably see some more lineups that are frustrating people. Um, as you know, with the Suns game and also in the, the last game against the Jazz, Gary Payton, too, has started for the Bucks. Not really sure why. I don't know if anyone is all that sure why. Tony Snell is still good. Um, and he keeps getting paid $11 million per season for a reason, that round. But uh, my what I would like to see happen is, at least early on, Jabari comes off of the bench as sort of a, a heavy-hitting sixth man while he kind of gets his legs under him, like we talked about Bledsoe had to do earlier. And then they kind of keep starting the Bledsoe, Snell, Middleton, Giannis, either Henson or Thon. It doesn't really matter who to me. And then you can bring off the bench in your reserve Brogdon and Jabari, which is a hell of a one-two punch in your second unit. And then you can... I mean, from there, you can have at least two of your best five, which is Brogdon, I think is Brogdon, uh, Bledsoe, Middleton, Jabari, Giannis, at least two of those guys on the floor pretty much at all times, which just really should mean that the Bucks can feast when other teams have to sit down their best players. Like, Especially like the Wizards are probably the biggest culprit where without Wall and Beal, they're really not that good, and now kind of Porter. The Bucks theoretically should be able to manage lineups once Jabari comes back to where they always have at least two good players on the court um, and even maybe more than that in playoff situations. I think like a five of Brogdon or Bledsoe Brogdon, uh, Snell, Middleton, Jan- or, I'm sorry, uh, not Snell. They won't start a five of Bledsoe, Brogdon, Middleton, Jabari, Giannis, but I would love to see that five get minutes because I just don't know how in the world you defend that unit when like, three of them are really good shooters, two of them can shoot, and you just have like all five of them are pretty dynamic offensive weapons. Like that, that should be a lineup that gives teams fits, and like they, they can run versions of it now with Snell. You just don't see it that often. And you know, I know Bucks fans love to see the team go small a little more and just let Giannis run as a point center. But we'll see how much of that we actually see with uh, Jason Kidd holding the clipboard on the sideline right now. Yeah, well, we won't get into to Kid. I think that's a whole other podcast uh, with the Suns tie. Right, so maybe maybe I'll let you come on yeah. and vent about Jason Kidd, and we can we can just uh, pretend like the Suns tie is enough. But I feel like you need that therapy at this point. I think uh, I think there's a lot of I think like one day that we might just get like a 20 person Bucks blogger slash writer 
podcast about uh, about that situation. I, I, I don't know though. I, I, I'm not setting it up. I, I would I would be on it though if someone did do that. But uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of people who I think have some very strong feelings about that. But uh, you know, it's it's not hard to find on Twitter if you're looking for it. I can tell you that. Well, I would say though that that the Suns Bucks game uh, last Wednesday, the overtime uh, victory by Milwaukee, 113-107 might be a decent place to start with some of those problems, as you mentioned earlier. So not only did uh, Gary Payton the second start, who was a decent prospect but spent a lot of time in the in the D-League and uh, hasn't really shown much in the NBA at all, uh, started that game, nine minutes. Um, but DeAndre Liggins played 41, and Tony Snell only played 22. Um, and then to go through, as I said before, Middleton played 46. It was an overtime game, but then to your point, Bledsoe played 45. Uh, despite those two weeks off and uh, kind of a interesting physical start to the season from his perspective. So what were your takeaways there besides the obvious lineup stuff? Uh, how do you think that trickled down into uh, more of the on-the-court? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the lineups are the biggest thing. I would say, you know, there's a, there's been concerns about the Bucks' defense for about two years now, letting up three-pointers, and they did an okay job against Phoenix, who, you know, one of the benefits there might be there just aren't all that many shooters on the Suns right now, which kind of helps. I mean, Dragon Bender did tear the Bucks up, and he, he did it by finding that, that side corner three, which is almost always going to be open if you make a few passes against the Bucks, because their defense is so engineered to just swarm at the ball. Well, what happens is, you know, you got your big guys, your fours, your threes, any any swing man who's not around the action has a pretty easy time getting open. And that's, I mean, Bender had a really good game. His plus minus ended up being zero, but I still thought, you know, from what I've seen, that was one of the better games I've seen from him. I don't watch a ton of him. I, I was kind of low on him, to be honest. But I thought he did well finding gaps that the Bucks left him, which was smart and not the hardest thing to do. Um, but so getting so much run is very confusing, especially because, if you would just think like your new prize player, you have him on the contract for two years. I, I would, I would think you would look to try to sign him beyond that if, if things go well. So you'd be very interested in him being, you know, viable long term and just really running him ragged early on. I mean, like you said, forty five minutes is crazy for this guy who's been back to NBA speed for like two weeks at this point. Um, but Snell not getting minutes was a weird thing. Sterling Brown never plays because I think he's pretty good and I, I would love for him to get the chance to prove it. But just the fact that like two guys on two-way deals are getting all these minutes, you know, Rashad Vaughn didn't get a shot, which um, I'm not a huge Rashad Vaughn guy, but I just don't know why he's on the roster if he's not going to play over Gary Payton too or Joel Belumboy, who in fairness is the only – he was the second center that day. but And they couldn't go small with Giannis because he was out as well. So that it's kind of a, a rock in the hard place there. But still, it's just – strange the way the minutes come out all the time. I mean, Liggins has been fun to watch, but 41 minutes is pretty wild for DeAndre Liggins. Yeah, I mean, uh, and to be, yeah, in fairness to Kid that day, there was just some limitations on what he was able to do when uh, Ball and Boy is your backup center and, and Maker's playing 32 minutes, which seems like a, an outlier for him usually, and he's around 20 or so if I'm remembering correctly but yeah I think Bender's an interesting point he was a that's a good matchup for him because he's not going to do well when they're when there's a honestly like a Greg Monroe type coming off the bench for the uh, opposing team but when when you're matching up against smaller guys or um, just more athletic types of players he's going to have a better chance but um, obviously this game had the the Devin Booker buzzer beater to send it into overtime um, 
decent performance from Monroe, as we said before. It was really, from the Suns' perspective, ideal as far as the scoring breakdown because Warren and Booker were both over 20. That's really been the recipes for success for the Suns this year. But um, in the end, I really, I mean, it's it's what we see with the... Wait, say it again? I said it just took too many shots for him to get there. I mean, both of them shot 35% or worse, and he's talking about... 20 shots got Warren his points, and 24 got Booker his 23 points. I mean, it's just uh, that kind of efficiency is going to be tough. I mean, obviously they need the points. It's not like those guys should shoot less. But I was a little surprised that uh, Josh Jackson didn't get a little more run. Yeah, you should uh, continue to watch the Suns then. That's been a part of it. He's starting tonight, though. Um, Booker's out with a toe injury, so he'll be starting uh, – oh, I'm sorry, tomorrow. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm not too sure with uh, – with how that works. I think they're just nervous about kind of what the best role for him is. He's still got a smaller frame compared to a lot of the threes and fours that he's guarding, but he also doesn't really have a jumper. So that's their biggest need. And so he's kind of unable to play next to TJ Warren or, um, anybody, but, you know, a shooter like Booker or Troy Daniels, if if one of those guys isn't on the court with him, it's a struggle. And so, that's my best guess. Maybe the overtime game, they didn't want to stretch him too much either. They've been pretty careful with his minutes in general. But yeah, no, you're right with the shooting stuff. Um, I guess it's just like, in my mind, it's impossible for this team to score 90 points unless those guys just shoot every time that they can. Um, Tyler Ulis has been disappointing this year. Didn't have a great game that night. Um, yeah, it's been good, though. I mean, from our point of view, the, the Monroe stuff has been nice because he is, if he can give us that double-double that you mentioned earlier, if he can just find a way to get those points every night, then it, unfortunately that's going to be a massive upgrade over what the Suns were getting. A power forward in the next game? Yeah, he started against the Pelicans uh, oh. because of the boogie uh, AD stuff, and then um, he's yeah. playing again, yeah, against Minnesota with Chandler, and I don't even, I mean, you complained about Kid. I might have to sit here and complain about Triano if this keeps up, because it makes no sense. He played 12 minutes against the Pelicans, partially because of foul one trouble. Shot. Yeah, one shot, and then Triano said yesterday at practice that he was impressed, and I mean, I haven't gone back and watched. I'm sure that Monroe was doing what he asked him to do. I mean, he's a veteran. I'm sure there was a game plan that he was executing defensively, but yeah, I don't, I don't see what the value in that is at all. Um, especially since Alex lends on his last chance with this team and he's not even playing. Yeah. No, it makes no sense. I mean, I'm just complaining now, but all right, well, let's, uh, let's move into the last bit here. Um, I'm not sure when the next time that the Suns play the Bucks is, but I'm sure there will be people playing, uh, watching Bledsoe from afar and sort of keeping tabs on his career just because he was in Phoenix for so long. So I, I we've talked about a lot from Jabari to the lineups overall to uh, sort of what Bledsoe is going to bring this team, but what are you watching uh, most with the Bucks and with Bledsoe specifically, sort of give the Suns fans something to keep an eye on if they do catch Milwaukee from uh, from time to time the rest of the year? I would say one of the biggest things for me is going to be watching how him and Giannis play together. Um, not just in terms of like, you know, can can they both be not great shooters and survive, but more like, you know, their chemistry. Like I think 
other an alley oop in like the first game. Bledsoe played with the Bucks against the the Spurs, I believe, and it was awesome. And and just how those two sort of get along because you know, Giannis always has friends on the Bucks, of course, but I, I don't. I feel like he's never had like a a Lowry DeRozan type pairing. It's you know him and Middleton are, are, are cool. Like I'm not saying there's any problems with anyone. But he's never had that second guy to really be like, oh, these are the two guys and they're going to be together. People talk about him and Jabari, but they haven't played together all that much, you know, especially since Giannis has been really good. Again, like they play well together, they dish each other dimes, but it's never been like the the true, like, you know, boogie and the brow, you know, Steph and KD. So if, I, I don't know, I don't think Bledsoe's as good as either Steph or KD, obviously, but seeing him and Giannis form like a really potent one-two punch would be really exciting. So that's what I'm always looking for. Maybe it's just because I like to, I like the friendships outside of it too. Like the Lowry DeRozan thing is awesome to me. And these two teams next play on January 22nd in Milwaukee, by the way. Ah, sweet. Okay, so that's pretty soon. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be kind of sorted out by then, and that's about when Jabari's supposed to be back, right? February, although he's like looked pretty good in warm-ups, but they're being cautious for a good reason. Um, so I would not bet on him being back, although I would not say it's impossible. All right, and I would expect from the Suns' side that something will have happened with this Monroe situation by then, so maybe we'll... Uh, kind of get back together around then um it's been great talking to you um and you have a patreon right can i plug that uh you can yeah i don't i think it's 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 a little dried up um but it's i think it's just ty windish or time out with ty uh it's just for people who really enjoy the podcast if they want to toss me a couple bucks to help make it possible that's always appreciated but uh truly if you just subscribe to it on wherever that's super cool too it's on everywhere you find podcasts and that's that's one of my favorite things i get to do so it's been a little while since there's a new episode i'll have to do one soon here but yeah time out with ty look it up i'd appreciate it i appreciate the plug too yeah for sure and like i said before uh writer staff writer at the step back and at behind the bucks pass and uh hopefully a return guest around january 22nd thanks man i'm hoping so thank you